The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking for healthcare innovators and digital teams. Here on the Healthcare Wrap, we believe that the healthcare experience has to change and we're trying to do something about it. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years or we can jump in right now. And I think you know how we roll. We're not going to coast to neutral. We're hitting the gas. Come be a part of it. Each week, we talk about the topics that you need to know about and act on to be part of the digital transformation movement. We share tips on shifting the way that healthcare is experienced digitally and the backstage strategies for marketing, operations, and digital teams to drop the silos and stay ahead of the curve. We recently passed 160 episodes and three years on the air. We're now in season five, which is our quest to answer whether it's even possible to provide the healthcare experience that consumers desire. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about why we aren't getting the answers we want. Why does it feel like there's a lack of action among legacy health systems? And how do we need to reframe the questions we're asking? I'll talk about that. Then the one and only Sean Nason is in the house to share some provocative thinking about retail health as seen through his eyes at ground level. This episode is jam-packed, and Zane and I have a lot to share along the way. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. flavor of the week. No wonder we aren't finding all the answers yet. We're not framing the questions properly. Healthcare delivery is changing. The players on the board are changing. The way it's paid for is changing. And the way it's experienced digitally is changing. What defines healthcare in coming years will not be what defines it now. Think about it. Preventive care and wellness, not just sick care and treatment. Customer experience and relationships, not brand and location. Removing the middlemen who make it more complicated and expensive. Big tech plays a big part, and they aren't just making headlines. They're making moves. Just days ago, Walmart purchased telehealth company MeMD. That move came the same week as Amazon signed its first enterprise customer for its Amazon Care virtual health service. They are working with Precore, a Washington-based fitness equipment company that was acquired by Peloton in early April. Do you really think these guys are going to stop there? These are more than headlines. These are trends. Who's ready to lead? There's a lot of discussion about why healthcare isn't changing more quickly. The lack of action at legacy health systems can be complex looking from the outside in. We wonder if it's because leaders are scared, complacent, or not sure what to do. And if it's the latter, we wonder if it's because they're looking for answers that are low or no risk. They're looking for investments to make now in digital that won't impact the present, but will deliver in the future. They want to know how to improve relationships with consumers that they told for the better part of a year not to come in and see the doctor. They want to know what tech they can buy to connect the glut of point solutions that they already have. Is more tech really the answer to too much tech that you already have? 
No wonder they might not be finding the answers. They aren't framing the questions properly. And maybe the answer doesn't exist under those parameters. They might be asking where they can build another brick and mortar. When the answer is, listening to your customers reveals that they like more hybrid options between in-person and virtual visits. One last excuse I've heard is that many leaders want to drive significant change, but budgets and organizational structures are roadblocks too big to overcome in a timely manner. In other words, just let us keep making incremental progress and never catch up to the pace of change in the rest of our lives. This too is a fallacy. The call for faster improvement is not in opposition to recognizing the desires and great work that's being done. It simply demands that we change our mindsets, reframe the questions, and pick up the pace. If we aren't leading ourselves to the changes that we want to make, in the time frame that we need to make them, maybe we need to reframe what we're asking. So the real question shouldn't be, how can we avoid change? But how can we accelerate change? Let's start there and see where that journey takes us, because that's the answer that we really want to know. And that's the flavor of the Week. Hey, Zane, we're ready to get right into this and, and get going again. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Holding up strong here in Detroit. It's exciting times. Saving the world one vaccination <laughs> at a time? Yeah. We're actually starting to hit a wall, I can sense, in, in the state in general. Um, appointments, or sorry, clinic appointments are starting to go unused. And I think we've hit, you know, about 55, 60% of the population wants their vaccine. And so now the next 40% is going to be call it hand-to-hand, door-to-door combat to overcome hesitancy and get people um, inoculated. Yeah, I I can see that. I think in our area too, in the Southwest here in in Arizona, at least, we're it's slowing down a little bit. I wouldn't say they're at the wall yet, but I, you know, they can see that it's it's going to get there pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, we knew this would happen. I mean, again, it, it was never really a, a number of vaccines available. It could just turn into a hesitancy problem and a staffing problem. So we worked through our staffing issue, and now we're at like the human decision vaccine hesitancy issue. So that's going to be a ongoing problem to solve. That's for sure. Very cool. Well, wishing you the best uh, in you. continuing to to move that forward that, that's important work and then what about any kind of awesome thing that's that you've come across i don't know and anything you can think of yeah so <laughs> the coolest awesome thing i think last time we talked to our listeners about the clubhouse room that we hosted health of tomorrow and so super excited to report that we actually now have a club official it's the healthcare of tomorrow Hopefully folks will be able to join us on Clubhouse now from time to time. And it's going to be great. We'll have some, hopefully we'll be able to revisit some of the folks that we've chatted with here on this podcast and make some new friends and some new contacts and have conversations that just sort of evolve into places we could have never imagined, which is pretty typical for the Clubhouse platform. So I'm excited. Yeah, my personal goal is to be transparent enough so that it's very clear that I'm not one of those folks on Clubhouse trying to pretend to be an expert in things that I'm not. I'll right. make it really clear when I don't know right. stuff. Anyway, I'm getting there. Uh, enough about me, though. <laughs> Let's talk about retail health. At least for me, I want to focus on the, what's the goal? What is being reimagined? Like, why is retail health gaining traction? And why are big players, I mean, talking like Fortune 2 players, you know, coming into the space, Fortune 10, Fortune 50 companies, you know, that frankly could have better things to do, but they have determined this is one of, if not the highest strategic priority for their business growth for the next decade or more. You know, why is it happening? And I think for me, it comes back to this thought of, 
yes, whenever we talk about consumerism in healthcare, a lot of health systems, they're like, okay, we do, we know it's important, but they're st- maybe they've just heard too much about it or they haven't been able to do enough about it. Mm-hmm. One way or the other, they're, I think they're just kind of past, like they're over it. Probably the easiest way to say it. Yeah, we know you can go to, you know, such and such. You can go to CVS, you can go to Walgreens, you can go to somewhere else. Maybe there's a Walmart health clinic that opened up in their area and they're they're just like saturated with it already. And they're like, no, seriously, it seems like we're going to be okay. Where the opportunity, it's like, it's so blatant. It's so obvious. It's so right in front of us Mm -hmm. that I hope it becomes our true north strategically for Mm -hmm. all health systems at some point, which is make care easier. Yes. Reduce friction along that journey. Reduce the utter pain and humiliation it takes to even find out what something costs. Like all the things, all these mythical sunk costs about healthcare that don't have to be part of the experience anymore. That to me is why retail health has legs. That to me is why it has traction. That's why we need to keep talking about it because the conversation will eventually go How do we either play well with those retailers that are growing, that are now in our community, in our market, or how do we do the exact same thing they do and preserve the relationships that we have with with patients? What's the promise of retail health? What's the best case? Like, what's the vision for it? If I were to put my foresight hat on and my imagination hat on... And even just looking at things pretty simplistically, I would expect huge growth from retail health. And it'll ultimately have to force traditional hospital systems to become sort of the specialty referral center where your front, your digital front door and potentially your actual front door is a retail health clinic. And then when the acuity of the patient exceeds the level that can be handled in that retail health clinic, they'll have some partnership set up with an acute care provider, sorry, a tertiary quaternary care provider, and the referral will happen potentially too with governors on the price of what that referral is going to cost since the retail health clinic, especially if it's a large one, like a Walmart who has such scale might have an ability to influence or influence the price down on to benefit its customers. So that's how I see it going. And then in the interim step, I do see traditional health systems in, or will probably have to, well, they will have to, especially on a, on a consumer experience side, mimic, the feel, the look and the feel of a retail health clinic, even though they may not be using a retail health model. That's where I think it's going to go. Yeah. You know what? I can see that. And I like where, where you said it's, it's understanding where the future role of the legacy health system is because it's not all things to all people anymore. Correct. And that's been my perspective for a while now on this podcast. I see, you know, healthcare evolving to just sort of what happened, sort of like think about like the travel agency where there's, there used to be, or there is this entity that sort of controls demand. So all the people that want to travel and then they shoot these people towards the hotel, towards the flight, towards the whatever. And that's now become on, you know, an online tool like canoe.com, kayak.com, you name it. But I see that some big retail or lifestyle brand will become the demand aggregator and then build the right referral partnerships to the tertiary quaternary centers for the right level of care when it can't be fulfilled by that retail brand itself. Right. So, so this really does focus on the relationship, Absolutely. A, a relationship with a consumer, not just in the, for the majority vast majority, there's probably less than 10% of consumers who 
spend more than 1% of their year in interacting with a healthcare provider. If you don't have a chronic condition that you are working through and working with, then you're not spending that much time. It's important even with there to make that distinction because there is a very different experience for anyone working with a chronic condition of any kind. That is going to be a different way to, to account for things. There's just so, it's, everything's multiplied. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, what a lot of traditional health brands, you know, they've certainly discounted the Walmart health of the world when they first announced what they're going to be doing. But I think they've discounted them to their detriment because as you're describing, more Americans interact with Walmart daily or weekly than they do their own healthcare provider if they even have one. And so that to me, so to me, there, there's power there. The fact that people go there every day or every other day or at least once a week. It's a recognized brand. It's a brand that they use. And so why not tag on healthcare to it, especially healthcare that's extremely affordable? It's a win-win. Yeah, so true. So then when we talk about opportunities to innovate in terms of how, you know, we've had James Gardner on on the podcast before, and we've talked about how to interact, you know, how to play well with retail health partners. And I do think that's an important part here. That's kind of like the, the first step here in a lot of markets. You know, to me, the other part is the, how can we use some human-centered design to do better design work, better service sure. design work, and even just reduce a couple of friction points along the way? Sure. So some of the things we've learned from Walmart Health, for instance, are that, yes, you better believe it, that people are in favor of price transparency. Yeah, That it, when it's $35 for a dental exam or it's a dollar a minute for mental health counseling, that, yeah, yeah you better believe that is a differentiator. Absolutely. And, it's, and let's capitalize on that. Like, yeah. let's learn what parts we can bring into traditional provider. Why can't we do that? It's not just a, to me, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's kind of like, oh, well, we just can't do anything about that. But, but we really can't. Right. Well, and so price aside, think about locations of Walmarts and other retail health providers who started off in the retail space, right? So they're at some of the, in some of the most convenient real estate in all of America and even Canada. Canada's exploring in this area as well. And so right there, the experience is easier. You know, Walmarts are always on, you know, a corner somewhere, tons of parking. Oh, by the way, one level, no elevators. You can roll up in your wheelchair, roll up with your kids. It's free to park. It's easy to park. Boom, you're there. And then you show up and the price is even cheaper than finally claim with your health insurance plan. It's win, win, win. Yeah, it really is. It really is. What's keeping us from getting to that point, Zane? I know it's kind of a big question, but but like, where, yeah, where do you yeah. go first? Well, I think one thing that traditional health systems need to get a hold of is understand really what is my cost. Try to figure out what your actual cost is. And unfortunately, a lot of health systems won't be able to, they won't know. There's no real list. That's changing a little bit with some of the laws where you now have to start to publish, you know, what your master charge is. Um, But even that is not exactly your cost. And so I would encourage healthcare leaders to understand what their actual cost is to call it produce that service or product and ask yourself the tough question, why isn't as cheap as Walmart, assuming it's more expensive? And potentially there's an opportunity to plan that space. Like, could we potentially, if we can get our prices down or at least in a competitive way, could we start doing our own retail health and offering a cash price at some of our sites? So I think, but again, ascertaining what the cost is, is the first step. Wherever that lands in the marketing spectrum these days is, you know, one of the four original four Ps, you know, that that we learned in, in school, which is funny how much 
not necessarily daily, but on a regular basis, I reflect back on what did I learn in school about marketing and what what still applies. And, and they're the principles that do, but the way that things actually happen and are implemented couldn't be more different <laughs> than, than totally. when I went to school. And I think it's an important distinction to make. So that being said, I agree. I think we've got to be just changing the conversations we're having and the questions that we're asking in those conference rooms. That is not the place where traditionally we've had the question of, Hey, there's a, there's a, there's a new thing that's ultimately better for patients or better for consumers. How do we leverage that? It, mm-hmm. The question is usually, how do we protect against it? Mm-hmm. And how do we kind of obliterate that and just mm-hmm. lean on our, our brand equity because we think so much of ourselves. And mm-hmm. to me, that's how that is. That's just how I see it. You know, it's, it's not the case for every single health system out there, but mm-hmm. that's kind of the regressing back to the mean, like, like that's, that's where we end up going if we don't have a better direction to, to head. Mm-hmm. Well then, what about a call to action? You know, where do we where do we invite people to to go from here? So one thing I would do is go to Walmart for something, figure it out, or go to CVS, figure it out. So that's one. And then the second thing is, like I said, get get a hold of what your true costs are around some of these urgent, ambulatory, kind of primary care things that these these retail health providers are competing on, and see what your cost is, and is it even close to what. Walmart is offering. And if it's not, ask yourself why and how could we make it that cheap? Imagine what what will happen when, when we get to that point, because I really hope we can look back. I don't know. You know, it might be a couple of years from now. It might be five years from now, but there will be a point where that's the most common discussion that's happening. And I, I can't wait for that. And I really yeah. do. I look forward to that. Absolutely. Hey, this is Scott Burgess from Healthcare 360, the fair and balanced healthcare podcast exploring everything you wish you knew about healthcare, but don't. Join us weekly in an open, transparent conversation with some of the biggest names in the healthcare business, surrounding this one question and one question only. Had you known there were other options to exhaust and explore before you traveled down the traditional healthcare route, how would you weigh those options against what you think healthcare and medicine really is? For more information about Healthcare 360 and how together we can help transform lives, Visit scotteburgess.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us anywhere you enjoy listening. See you there. Hey, everyone, check this out. We've got the one and only Sean Nason in the house this week. Sean is the founder and CEO of the Nason Group, the disruptive ecosystem that includes Mophie, an experienced design SWAT team, and several other organizations that are causing change. He's a former Disney Imagineer, he's co-author of Kiss Your Dragons, and host of the Combustion Chronicles podcast. But above all, I think the highest honor I can give him is to call him a friend. Welcome to the Healthcare Wrap, Sean. Hey, thanks, Jared. It's great to be here, and I'm really honored to be on um, the Healthcare Wrap with you. I know we've been trying to make this happen, so it's finally here. Hey, it's one of those, yeah, I knew it was going to happen at some point, and, you know, when the timing's right, the timing's right. So, yeah, welcome aboard. Yeah, great to be here, and great to just talk some stuff with you, right? Like, what's happening in the world and in the healthcare space? So, uh, yeah, great to be here, brother. Yeah, goodness, there there are a few things happening in the healthcare space these, these days. And uh, what's what's funny is the timing of this interview always would kind of dictate the first things that we talk about. So since this didn't happen during the NCAA tournament or during the, the basketball season at all, for instance, we don't have a whole lot to talk about as far as Kentucky basketball, but I'll leave that out 
you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leave that one out, brother. I, I don't have alcohol. It's, it's way too early in the day to start drinking. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, every, every, every team can have an off season. It's all, it's all right. You know, give that's it right. Up. That's right. Giving out a little bit of a chance and then uh, come roaring back again the, the following season. I, I see that. But our girls did, the Kentucky volleyball team did win the national championship on Saturday for the first time in history. So there's a good thing. There we go. There we go. Well, there you go. Yeah. The, in fact, did I read that right? Were they like the first SEC team ever to win the volleyball? Yes, first SEC ever to win. And then one with, you know, the national player of the year is actually a freshman. So just some amazing things out of that team. So very happy for Coach Skinner and the the girls there. Yeah, nice shout out there. Nah, that was really cool to see that. And I've I've got a volleyball player in my house, uh, my my fifth grade daughter. So we're actually following stuff like that, and it's it's really fun to see. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, what's the latest awesome thing you've heard about? Does not have to be healthcare or industry related at all. It could be anything. What's funny is that a lot of times we end up talking about Clubhouse. Over the last uh, few weeks and months, very curious if the the clubhouse addiction level is still as strong with you as as it was uh, in the first few weeks, or if is it tapered off at all? And uh, what are you seeing there? Yeah, so I do believe that's uh, probably one of the latest awesome things I've seen. My addiction and twelve step program has started, and things have tapered off a bit. And part of that is just realizing you know, even what to focus on and what needs to be focused on in Clubhouse. And for those that aren't on it, you won't understand, but it can be very overwhelming. And finding your tribe or, you know, your swarm, as we call it in the book, Kiss Your Dragons, you know, that is key. And so I've taken some time back on that. I think, you know, the other, the latest awesome thing that I've heard about, and, you know, I know this can be controversial, is, you know, as a country what's happening in the vaccine space is pretty powerful. You know, for so long, people looked at the, you know, the United States as this big bad wolf around COVID. But I talked to a buddy of mine today in Canada and like, they're looking at us going, why can't we get it right? Like they are progressing fast. So I am proud to say that I am fully vaccinated and I don't know that how much it's going to change stuff, but at least I'm there. And I think it's an awesome thing to see what it has done in healthcare. Even I know you and I talk a lot, Jared, about healthcare and the things that it's opened up in healthcare. Yeah, well, I think the easiest way to, to think about it is: a, you've done your part to, to help end the pandemic. I mean, it's as, it's as simple as that to to take the steps and, and get vaccinated yourself. So I, I will say that definitely falls under awesome things I've heard about recently to hear that you've been vaccinated. So so perfect. Yes, you know, I will tell people from my experience. I encourage everyone to go through it. You know, it was very interesting. My brother and his family, he has three children that are 16 and older. And that family of five um, experienced all three versions of the vaccine. Um, and all of them are alive and all of them are well. So I just encourage everyone to go out and do their part to help hopefully bring some whatever normalcy looks like. Um, I don't know that normal will ever be normal again. I think what this has done is it's ripped off a huge band-aid that you and I knew needed to be ripped off in the healthcare space. Exactly, exactly. Well, I'll tell you what, we can dig into that that part right here because uh, we're talking in general the story of retail health and as seen through your eyes because I, I'll tell you what, Sean, you have had maybe one of the 
most upfront seat views of, of this all happening more than almost anyone else on the planet. And I would love to just uh, go wherever you want with this, but to help help the rest of us understand where things came from, how they've evolved, where they're going and stuff like that, because we hear all sorts of reactions to what people think when we even talk about retail health. So I'm just going to turn it over here at this point. You know, we typically think of it in in terms of, you know, what's the status quo? How have things been? And then where can they go? So maybe we can start with the kind of how things have been, like how retail health even came about, wherever you want to go with this. For your listeners who don't know our story and my story, you know, Mofi, our experience design part of our ecosystem, was very honored to start a journey um, a little over two years ago with Walmart and the Walmart health team. And we were deeply rooted in much of what's happening there. And I can share what I can, and there's a lot that I can't. And what was exciting about that for me, Jared, is just the fact that Walmart was getting ready to take on a beast that had not been touched. And I appreciate what Walgreens has tried to do and, you know, CVS with their health hubs and trying to get 1,500 of those launched. But there's just some real, there was some real excitement. And and I say that there was some real excitement about what Walmart was launching onto. And I was able to get a front row seat of a lot of that. And, you know, done several talks about it. We talked about it at the Consumer Electronics Show with two of the key stakeholders there. I have a personal relationship with Sean Savinsky that I've worked with him for about 10 plus years, who is the former CEO of of Walmart Health and Wellness. And listen, I believe, Jared, that retail health is what is going to have to be the game changer for healthcare. And there's a lot of people that have lots of opinions around who it is and why And I'll give some real simple ones of why I was so excited about Walmart being truly the disruptor. We talk about disruption a lot in retail health. At the time when we started, and these are numbers that we we spoke openly about, there were 4,800, approximately 4,800 community hospitals in the United States today. There are approximately 5,200 Walmarts or some version of what Walmart does with their groceries as well with the neighborhood markets. But 5,200, so 400 more than community hospitals. Additionally, many of those Walmarts are in areas where access to care has been really difficult and that even some community hospitals can't reach. And so what an opportunity. When we were brought in and we worked with the team there, just an excitement to see that there could be total disruption around three big points that Walmart talks about, and it's cost, convenience, and care. There's a video out there where I spoke with Matt Perry and Amber Bynum from Consumer Electronics Show where we talked about those three things and at a couple other conferences. That's the area that Walmart Health was focusing on. We had a great two years there and left, finished our contract work 
at the end of August of 2020. Sean Savinsky left and, you know, just kind of disheartened recently about a, an article that I, I've read that, you know, all the team that Sean brought in is pretty well gone. And I think there's a lot of questions in a lot of people's minds around, is Walmart still in this? I'm here to say, I believe Walmart can still be the disruptor in healthcare. And I believe that Walmart can do something that Amazon can't even do. Because Amazon has some brick and mortar with Whole Foods, and they're trying to disrupt the pharmacy space now, but they still don't have the access that Walmart does in the retail health space. That's a real interesting distinction there because you're right, Amazon comes up a lot. Uh, you mentioned CVS and Walgreens, they come up a lot. So where should that focus be right now? You mentioned, is it, is it access? Is that the thing, you know, the, the reasons that, that cause you to, to see retail health as a major disruptive force in healthcare? Is, is it the access part of it, or is it the convenience part, like you were saying? Where, where, do, where do you think? Yeah, so if let's just take those three pillars that we just talked about with Walmart, and let's just put that to retail health, cost, convenience, and care. So convenience, let's start with convenience. If you think of retailers, I'm actually doing some work right now in the city of Columbus, Ohio, a couple hours from my home. I'm talking to you sitting from my hotel room and I look out my window and I see a CVS. I don't see a hospital. I don't see medical groups, but I see a CVS. And I'm sure that if I pull up my map, there's a Walgreens someplace close. And so why would it not be this access and convenience be a prime spot for retailers to move into. We see grocery stores doing it. You know, Kroger's trying to do it. Some of these, you know, put in these clinics, a little clinic in Kroger's, you got the minute clinics. Like everyone's trying to bring healthcare to an easy, accessible way. And, you know, there was a term about 10 years ago that came on in the business world called the experience economy. And I'm now dubbing it that we're in the experience economy 2.0 because we as consumers are looking for an amazing experience. So if you look at convenience, boom, retail is the most convenient place to bring healthcare. You look at cost. When you begin to scale in retail, a cost structure, you are able to then drive down prices. So one of the things I learned, and I, I will hold on to this for the rest of my life of our two years at, at Walmart, is these metrics called everyday low prices and everyday low cost, right? And so if you can scale to amazing magnitude, you can drive costs down. Well, where can you scale? In retail, because it's not a tied system. And then to that experience economy 2.0 is around care. We all just want to be cared for. And, you know, we have three experience principles within Mophie, which were simple and goes back to my Disney days, Jared. Those three principles are simply know me, surprise me, and make it easy for me. Imagine if we did those three things in healthcare today in a retail setting. How could we truly disrupt healthcare? And again, I will say this. I believe Walmart can and has the ability to, I just don't know that Walmart will do it. Yeah. And Sean, the interesting thing is that 
throughout all of that description that you just gave, I didn't hear any phrase of, well, this is the way it's always been. You started and ended with, here's what a consumer wants and needs. I mean, it's it's amazing how different the conversation is when it starts and ends with the consumer. Exactly. You know, and we use a human first approach at Mophie when we work with other partners and organizations and we've worked in health systems, we've worked in payers, we use a human first approach. And a lot of people say that, but there's a difference to me called a consumer-centered approach to a human-centered approach. Consumer-centered approach is a lot of times just a lot of fluff and talk. A human-centered approach is, no, let's think about the person first and what's right and that consumer first. And how do we co-design with the consumer? And I will, again, I will give a huge shout out to Walmart and the team at Walmart Health and for what they did because they did that. They co-designed with consumers. So when those clinics launched in Georgia, it was Friday, September 13th, because it's Friday the 13th, when we launched the first clinic in Georgia, that I knew that they were onto something powerful. And I was really honored and privileged to be a consulting group that was a part of that and to sit in from the outside and watch the power of what was happening. There was so much momentum there. And, and you know, I don't talk to them anymore. So I'm just, this is my speculation. I've just read what's come out and it's just concerning to me. Like, I hope they don't lose momentum or lose sight of what they were really doing to transform healthcare in America. Well, yeah, let's, let's zero in on that for a moment here because there's a ripple effect that would happen one way or the other. If all momentum there comes to a halt or if it you know, even just slows down significantly, there's going to be a ripple effect in terms of the conversations that are happening at traditional health systems and hospitals, those community hospitals, for instance, that, that you mentioned. That conversation is going to be very different with or without the momentum that, that Walmart Health or any of these other retail health organizations could be putting on them. I was careful not to say pressure. I, I was thinking momentum, but it's kind of both. Yeah, I do remember, and I've spoken to a couple health systems because of our involvement, you know, and Walmart did a beautiful, brilliant job of keeping this secret. The first Walmart Health press release went out like seven days before the first opening. And I remember getting asked several times, you know, as hospital systems, should we be scared? And I said, yes, you should. Not because they're a competitor, because listen, I don't think Walmart ever had or ever will be in the hospital business. There's still a need for hospitals. The need for hospitals, and this is a little bit of a soapbox and I'll get off of it. Why the hell in America today, we are still building more hospitals? I don't understand. Let's go look at out. Let's look at what Europe's doing. Let's look at some other countries where they're trying to bring people out of hospitals and put healthcare in the home. We've talked about that in America, but we sure don't show that we're doing that. And I think that's where retail can do that. They can help bring healthcare back to the home and out of these big hospitals. Wow. Okay. So yeah. So you know, we'll keep going down this rabbit hole here for for a second because I think you're right. Like I think that's part of the conversation that's clearly happening right now with with health system leadership, which is where do they go from here? How much do they go back to pre-COVID? You know, expansion and growth, and I can see a lot of them still landing on that exact thing you just talked about. About well, it's time to add more facilities. And that seems to ignore the entire momentum, the entire body of work that we've seen over the last few years. The Walmart Health was and still is 
part of that momentum. It's part of the trend towards in-home, at-home care, towards wellness, you know, not just sick care, fee-for-service care, and the whole entire system that's around that. But where things make sense to go, if we can just actually build the cost structure around it, the role of a hospital or health system is going to be still there, to your point, but not in the same way at all. It is not the, hey, something feels wrong with me. I'm going into an office to a physical location and I'm going to have a, you know, a traditional clinician talk to me and, and examine everything. And, and that's where everything's going to begin and end. There's so much more to the healthcare journey for a consumer now. And I think it's that kind of putting the blinders on with health system leaders, that's the danger to me. It's not the danger of having a new competitor. It's what the things that drove Walmart Health's initial opening of clinics is the recognition of what the consumer actually wants and what is genuinely better for us to live in a healthier and better way. Like that's the part that I don't want to get lost in whether competitor A or competitor B is at a certain point at a certain time, you know, how many clinics are opening or what that is. And that tends to be what I hear about in the news is there's new things opening. Should we, should we be scared? Should we ignore it? Instead of asking at a hospital or health system, how do we learn? How do we take on the things that are driving that expansion? It's the fact that there are different ways of caring for people. Yeah, I was very fortunate. My journey into healthcare came when I left Disney. You know, I went to work for one of the big payers, Humana, as they were shifting to want to be known as a wellness company. And I give them huge kudos for that. In my journey through healthcare, it was really frightening to me, just a personal story. Two or three years ago, I had to have some oral surgery done, fully insured. I walked in to have oral surgery and, you know, I walked to the reception and she said, it'll be $900. And I was like, that's with my insurance? And she said, yes. And I'm highly educated in the system. I said, can you tell me what's your cash price? And she took a couple minutes and she came back to me and she said, our cash price is $550. <laughs> and I said, so I'm handing you a credit card today and you're either going to charge it for $900 and process it through my insurance or you're going to charge it $550 and we'll be done. She said, yes. <laughs> What's wrong with that statement, Jared? Like, <laughs> that's when I realized how messed up our system was. It is not built for consumers or it's not built for patients. It's built to pay claims. That's why retail can still disrupt. You know, when Walmart Health came out, they offered cash-based pricing. And when you can pay cash-based prices cheaper than with your insurance, we have a real issue in our system today. It's so true. And I, I have a feeling everyone I've ever spoken to, whenever we go down this road at all and, and they find out, oh, wait, you work in healthcare? Oh, you know, all of a sudden I hear, you know, people share similar stories and it does tend to revolve around pricing or experience, bedside manner, any sort of customer experience or billing question. Those are the things that do tend to stick out. I keep relating everything back to this thought of why do we expect that the same thinking that got us into this mess is going to get us out of it? Like that's the thing that just gets under my skin every time. We have to completely think about everything differently if we expect to create any kind of change in, in this system 
that's going to lead to a different result. That's the part when I hear about what health system leaders are talking about at times, uh, that's the part that I'm like, well, we're never going to get there. Yeah. yeah. If we keep doing what we're doing, we're, we're going to stay in the same thing. And we see different models that are breaking out. You know, the DPC, drug primary care model, they're breaking out where physicians are tired of the system. But that should say something and that should infuriate us enough as consumers, as humans, that we have to work around the system. But yet it's still like people put their head in the sand and we're, we're getting nowhere. And that's where my hope for retail health has been, is like, can retail be the ones that finally break the system? The Walmart health team, when I was there and part of it, and with Sean Savinsky, they were fired up to be the ones to break it. And I still hope they do it. What's next for retail health, you know, whether it's Walmart specifically or or just all of these players in general? What, what's kind of like a best case, worst case, you know, for where things go and say the next like like 24 months? It's pretty simple to me. Listen to your consumers. Listen to the humans around you. Go back to what I say is our experience principles. Know your consumers, surprise them and make it easy for them. And if retail health can do that. If they can take a retail shopping experience and make it as easy in the healthcare experience, they will win. And then the big systems need to be scared. And I, listen, Mophie, our, our ecosystem, we are waiting. Call me. We will jump in and help you because there is a need for this and people want it. Would that be your message to health system leaders? Yeah, my message to health system leaders is start listening to the patients, start listening to the consumers. We're not going to do away with hospitals, but let's make sure we have people in the hospitals for the right reason and the resources that are getting spent for what I feel are the wrong reasons. Turn those around. Think of your model differently. You know, break out of the box and be the one to do something different. Is there... A certain type of health system leader who's more inclined to take that step to do the thing that others aren't doing. Are there like certain qualities or a, I know in, in Kiss Your Dragons, you refer to not just mindsets, but heart sets. You know, is there a certain heart set of a health system leader that's going to make them more inclined to explore this direction? I don't love to sound like a beating the same drum here, but man, the leaders that love people and love humans are ones that are going to do what's right for them. And quit focusing on your bottom lines or your top lines. And listen, I have a finance background, so I get business. But focus in the right area of business to do what's right for the humans and for the people and build your business that way, not just to keep people happy or build another big hospital. And what would your message be to consumers out there who are just trying to navigate the healthcare system these days? Educate yourself on the system and don't trust everything you hear. We have for so long trusted the system to be an ally to us. And I hate to say it, but I don't think that the system can be. You've got to find the right voice to listen to. And when you find it, hang on to it. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's just as important, really more important for us to realize that there's a lot of power that lies with each of us as consumers. And it's always interesting, you know, when we're talking as people involved in healthcare, you know, from a professional standpoint, but then we're able to put on that 
you know, hopefully not compartmentalize it in any way at all, but to be able to think about it and speak about it in terms of us being healthcare consumers just as much as anyone else. That's such the unique thing about being in this industry. Yeah, totally. 100% agree with you. What are you going to keep your eye on as we watch the story of retail health unfold from here? Yeah, you know, I'm going to keep it on those that are still, you know, I'm going to keep my eye on Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, the Kroger's to see what they're really doing or to see if they're going to just lean in and continue doing what's always been done. Fantastic. This is going to be a story that keeps on being written. And we're going to see where it goes from here. I've just been uh, grateful to have a few minutes with you today, Sean, and, and be able to talk through this because there are so many eyes on it and we're all looking to see where things go, how to respond, how it affects us. And hopefully, I do, I have a lot of hope here, just as you do, that we're going to ultimately see a healthcare that is more consumer friendly, more consumer focused, not just in word, but in the experiences that are actually created out there for us. So uh, thanks for giving us a lot to think about. Thank you again, Jordan. It's great to be with you, my buddy. And uh, hope we can have a conversation soon again. Yes. And before I forget, tell us, you know, a little bit about the book, you know, tell us where to find all the cool stuff you're working on right now. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. So book Kiss Your Dragons. You can go right on Amazon talking about mindsets and heart sets for leaders. That was a really fun journey. The Combustion Chronicles is my podcast. You can find it on all platforms. We talk with disruptors from all industries and all walks of life. And then, you know, seannason.com, if you want to get in touch with me, and then mofi.co, M-O-F-I.co, is our consulting group. So lots of ways to um, connect with us. I'm looking forward to uh, making those connections. Yes, please, uh, listeners, if you haven't done so yet, connect with Sean. Go check out all the the incredible, genuinely incredible content that he's put out all the time. Uh, I, it's my pleasure to, to be involved at all, to be aware of and, and be connected with Sean, to know the where he's coming from and the way that it has genuinely caused me to rethink and reimagine what's possible. It's, it's, our, it's my pleasure to know you, Sean. Thanks again. Thanks, Jared. Hey, my goodness. Thanks to Sean and Zane. And thank you for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, please, this is so important for us. Please subscribe and go tell your friends and colleagues about this podcast. Healthcare Wrap is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other 28 shows and seven video series that are in the Shift.Health Content Network, folks. Go check it out at Shift.Health. It's all free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap.